0: Well, welcome back to part two of a very important conversation we have been having with OBGYN, Dr. James Thorpe. Over 40 years of experience, a clinical physician who does his own research. We wanted you to be able to hear more data and science from him. So take a listen. If you have not heard part one yet, go back and listen to that first. Here's part two.
1: to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation.
0: To encourage you to feel free to ask questions, search for the answers yourself, to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. And I do have
0: a question that I think is also important. We have heard about the shedding of vaccines for years. we CNN covered it when they were doing polio, you know Bill Gates doing the polio vaccines in Africa and then people were getting polio from the shedding of the vaccine that they were giving to the to the Africans. And so, um, but we don't really, we didn't really understand the mRNA vaccines, like how, how was that working? But we've heard women say over and over that when they were with a partner who was vaccinated, a husband or whoever that was vaccinated, that their cycles were disrupted. Is there evidence to prove that now? Can you, is it sexual contact with a vaccinated person or can you just be around a vaccinated person and have an impact?
2: It's the latter, and and we've Tiffany Perato and our team have proven that, and we're about ready to come out with our uh, second uh, publication on exactly what you just said, Holly. Um, and uh, Tiffany Parato will be the lead author again. This was published; the initial one um, was published in the Gazette of Medical Sciences, which, which by the way, I want to do a shout out on. Because, you know, Dr. Peter and Dr. Jessica Rose, and so many incredibly brilliant research experts have submitted their um, journal articles to uh, major medical journals. Well, guess what? The major medical journals are all corrupted, and I'll show you data on that um, in subsequent slides. Like, for example, Elsevier, um, one of the largest uh, owners of medical journals in the world, um, uh retracted their article and after you go through the massive amount of work that we go through as physicians and go through a peer review process and actually get it uh, published and and it's printed and online or uh, paper format and then somebody uh rips that off a power b rips that off 3 months later let me tell you something that's devastating it's devastating because it invokes a um, tone of uh, false 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 evidence it, it denigrates an author's uh, reputation and it was all done for completely the wrong reason so i, I don't submit my journal articles anymore to these um, corrupt they're all supported by pharmaceutical and um, the industry and you guys know uh uh Dr. Eric Rubin, the editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine, the chicanery that he's um, put up with, you know, 16 of those people that voted on the FDA had major conflicts of interest with Gilead Pharmaceutical, with Moderna Pharmaceutical, and with Pfizer Pharmaceutical. This is not science. This is corrupt Corporate capitalism and their flagship medical journal is the New England Journal of Medicine. Now, of,
1: are you going to talk about that uh, miscarriage? The that, okay, good. <laughs> because I'm like, thought. well, speak of the devil.
2: <laughs> uh, just, just remember, guys. I, I don't. Yes, I I, I. I. Well, I really don't care about your genitalia and your testes, guys. I. I don't. But, but I am concerned that the same effect is uh, happening to do the testes. Um, we have seen recent data in the last month where there's significant increase in male infertility related to decreased sperm counts, decreased motility, and increase in abnormal forms. But I'm more worried about my um, 500,000 ovum in this ovary and my 500,000 ovum in this ovary that are formed at you know 30 weeks of life in utero, and that's all we got for the rest of her life. Um, we, we, we were told, um, Several pieces of information um, that, that I think need to be called out. We were told by um, he's not my president, but by uh, by um, Brandon uh, in his administration that um, the vaccine will never be mandated. It's not going to happen. These are, you know, conspiracy theorists that say it's going to be mandated. I rest my case. Yeah, they lied right. to it. Um, the other lie they told us was that, well, the lipid nanoparticles, they, they just stay in your arm. You know, they stay in your deltoid. They don't go anywhere. That was a big whopper of a lie. You know, within hours, it's in your blood. The lipid nanoparticle and it's dangerous man-made uh, mRNA cargo go everywhere in the body. And not only do they go everywhere within hours, but they cross all God made barriers, like the blood brain barrier in your brain, your body, like the placental barrier from maternal blood to fetal blood, if you're pregnant. And in that fetus from the fetal blood to the fetal blood brain barrier, but also more concerning, just as concerning, is the fact that it concentrates in the ovaries where We only have a repository of a million ovum for the entire lifetime of the individual. And every one of those ovum are concentrated with massive quantities of potentially toxic lipid and toxic mRNA. Um, This is- uh, I am so
1: glad we know and that our kids are not getting this shiitake. I mean, every day I'm like, God, I'm so glad we know. But there are parents that are like, begging for it and waiting for it. Like just because they're so scared and it, I feel bad for them. I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's just like, God, oh, you just, you keep hearing it. You're like, I am so glad I know. I'm so glad I know. Well, and we have to think about our kids and who they marry even. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm be like, like, what's your vaccination status? Yeah. I mean, we have, we both have, we all have boys. <laughs> we have two each. Oh, wow. So, wow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm more hopeful for the guys than I am the girls, uh, ladies, for the reasons that I mentioned. Right. You can, If you go into any Google site and you Google uh, the document, um, the Pfizer document, you'll see this data. You'll also be able to get the Pfizer um, tranche uh, that was ordered by a federal judge. They tried to waylay it for 75 years. So mm-hmm. the federal judge ordered them. And by the way, this one document, which is especially, um, it's very revealing and telling. I'll talk about it later. It's the Pfizer 5.3.6 post-marketing data. And we'll talk about that. This is uh, Schladlich and colleagues, this is way way back in 2012, this is animal. This is uh, done by sophisticated imaging, multispectral fluorescence imaging. And laser scanning microscopy over there to the far right. Uh, this proves in 2012 they, uh, the stakeholders, published this that in mouse species and Wistar rats, indeed the lipid nanoparticles are concentrated. It's hard to believe that. Of course, we can't believe that the stakeholders of the vaccine didn't know this. Of course, they knew it. And let's look at this Japanese Pfizer data right here this is stunning. Okay, so what you see here is a very sensitive detection of the tagged lipo nanoparticles. And you can see that at 15 minutes, they start 15 minutes after injection, they start accumulating in the ovaries. And look at what it does by one hour, within one hour. Look at that. Look at that. It's tenfold. By 48 hours, it's 118-fold concentration in the ovaries. You can't make this stuff up. This is Pfizer's own data. Um, and they
1: tried to hide it. I, I think it was even more, I don't even know what's more concerning. But the, but the, not only that they knew about it, but they tried to hide it. And this was like, that, wasn't that bi- first biodistribution like a leaked study from Japan anyway? And then there was a FOIA request or something? Did I remember that? I don't know. If, you you are
2: absolutely correct I, I was in receipt of those uh, whistleblowers sent me those it was actually 15 months ago i've been sitting on this data i've been sitting on it because and i knew it was accurate but i didn't have any way to prove it because it was leaked to me i wouldn't say illegally i would say legally by a whistleblower but it i it couldn't be verified so I couldn't really act on it, um, but I knew it was accurate. And and then when it finally did come out in this April first tranche, um, it was identical. In fact, all the same artifact uh, was on the my sheets that I had 15 months ago from the exact same sheets that were uh, dropped from the Pfizer tranche April first. Identical document. Um, this is uh, this is now I, to your point. Um, I, was it Amy or was it um, Kristen, how,
1: Kristen, Kristen they hear, yep.
2: ask me um, this, this is your journal this is Eric Rubin's journal this is a flagship journal of the deep state this is a flagship journal of the corrupt medicine this is a flagship journal of the medical corporatist disaster capitalist hospitalist academia, deceptive cartel. This is their flagship journal. This is what they do. Thank you, Eric Rubin, okay, for d- destroying all credibility in your journal. You mm. shot yourself in the foot. So let's talk about this. This is Shema Bakuro, uh, Tommy T and, tw- and 20 other authors. There's 21 total authors on this. So what they suggested, and they published this one year ago, I want to say January 21st, I'm sorry, June 17th, 2021. So literally almost a year ago. And they claim that the spontaneous miscarriage rate was identical to that in the population. But they used very, I would use a strong word, fraudulent. All of these 21 authors are stakeholders. Every single one of them is employed by the federal government, due to your due diligence. Wow. Three of them are obstetricians. So what they did was they pulled a, a really deceptive, fraudulent sight of hand. They took the 700 patients that received their vaccination in the third trimester and shifted it into the denominator of the first trimester, thus reducing the miscarriage rate from yeah, 83 to 93% down to 13%, which is normal. This doesn't, This is not a mistake. This is purposeful fraud. This was published, damage done. Everybody, I was deplatformed on LinkedIn and on every social media for pointing this out, I was called, you know, a misinformation spreader. Um, So it's it's horrible. So that in essence, it turns out that if you want, ladies, if you want an abortion in the first trimester, maybe you should just take the vaccine if you really want to kill your baby. There's a
1: meme out that's saying that. Yeah. I I mean, yeah. I remember when this came out. Can you can you just explain to everybody? Because looking at the chart, it makes sense. But like, just to sh- tell people a little bit more, what they did fraudulently. I mean, I know you just yes. did it. Like maybe to break it down more for people to understand yes. how they um, how they yes. laugh statistics.
2: Yes, because you know there's some really serious physicians that missed this. Um, you know, one of my brightest co-authors, uh, uh, who's my older brother. Um, He couldn't see it until he spent a lot of time. So don't feel bad if you don't see it. Um, They're talking about a miscarriage. If you're talking about a miscarriage, that by definition occurs in the first or second, early second trimester. It never, a a miscarriage by definition doesn't occur. A miscarriage, um, uh, if it occurs after, 20 weeks or later, it's called a fetal death. It's not called a miscarriage, okay? So what they did was they shape shifted, they lied, and they took the 700 people that actually got the vaccine and they couldn't have had a miscarriage because they're in the third trimester. And they put them over into the group, the denominator of the people as if they got it in the first trimester. Isn't that cheating? Does right. that make sense?
1: Yeah, and also, they not only the definition, but didn't some of them, like, they didn't even get vaccinated until the third trimester.
2: That's what I'm saying. You said
1: that, me. okay, you said that, but I thought that you were also just maybe explaining more the miscarriage and the, you know, fetal death, but yes. You're,
2: you're absolutely right. The vast majority of patients got it in the third trimester, so yeah. if they're going to use an appropriate numerator and denominator, you're looking at an 83 to 93 percent risk of abortion. Um, so, like I said, this, this is a flagship uh, journal of the corrupt uh, uh, corporate uh, cartel, medical industrial complex, um, the flagship article, but all of the articles, you know, if you go to, um, if you go to the, um, there's a website which tracks retraction watch is, I believe, the name of in the name of the website. And you know what they're doing is they're taking uh, credible, valid scientific research that's published, like from Dr. Corey, Dr. McCullough, myself. And they they're de- they're putting pressure on the journal to retract it. That you can't have that in science. You know, you have to listen. That's what academia is. It's supposed to be, a debate of data, not an emotional ad hominem attack calling me an anti-vaxxer or a misinformation right. spreader. That's right. That, that's, that's not That's not right.
0: But we so, know that that's what they do, Dr. Thorpe. They They call you a bigot, a racist in this day and age. The way they silence opposition is by accusing you of being something that you wouldn't want to be called or accused of. And it's not even factual or true, right? But that's how they do it. They label you.
2: Gaslighting,
1: right? I have a question, too. Um, so, you know, there are some women who maybe say, well, I'm not going to get vaccinated while I'm pregnant because, you know, they are concerned about their, their baby, um, their fetus. But then maybe they, they decide, well, after the baby's born, I'll get vaccinated. And then they're breastfeeding. What can you say to women who are in that situation? What have you seen? What do we know about the risk of vaccination just transferring through breast milk?
2: Um, I'm very concerned about uh, breastfeeding and getting a vaccine, Uh, and I can, you can take this case to the bank because I've verified it and re-verified it. I guarantee you there's at at least one, and there's probably many, many, many newborn deaths. This is a case of a five-month-old beautiful baby. Um, Her, I, I believe that she was in the healthcare industry. Her hospital forced her to get the vaccine. The baby was thriving, gaining weight, lots of baby fat, just beautiful, gorgeous. um, I I believe a daughter of our most high God. And um, just thriving, perfectly normal. And mom gets a vaccine uh, at at around five months of the baby's life. um, She breastfed the baby for the first time um immediately the next day this child immediately decompensated i mean immediately and could never be reconciled could never be treated could never be um, resuscitated and within 24 hours was dead diagnosis thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura um, known to occur as a vaccine complication Uh, naomi brown naomi um, Wolf is an incredible researcher. She's been very outspoken on this. I I have um, I've looked at the data. I'm very concerned about the data. Um, I, I but I'm also um, cognizant of the uh, the distribution of the breast milk right now, the formula, and and I'm concerned about that a lot. Mm-hmm. About um, you know if if we get women really really fearful of the vaccination in breastfeeding, will it result in some problems related to not breastfeeding or not even in some of our more um, um, patients that don't have our resources, might the babies go without food? Um, I don't know. So I'm concerned about that. All of our supply chains have been cut off, which by the way, for the most part, I think all of you know that's orchestrated too. We're, we're coming up on a massive famine Um, And anybody that doesn't know that um, you better open your eyes, because even even if we try to reverse it right now, it's going to take six, six years to get back on our supply chains. we, we
0: We need a change in leadership immediately, immediately to even start to address all the consequences that lie ahead for us as Americans as a result of very poor leadership for the last two years. I do wanna ask you too, because I did get a question about this actually, Dr. Thorpe, which was right before we got on, I had a friend text and ask me this question. And I said, well, you know what? I'm talking to the person who can answer this for us. But, um, but he said, have you heard about the spike protein from the vaccine transferring to the unvaxxed? And so I probed and said, what are you hearing? He said, well, there was a group of ladies that were all pregnant who went on a trip together and came were in contact with a bunch of vaccinated individuals at a conference they came home and six of them had miscarriages within two weeks Then, and it was in a group it was an extraordinary number i don't know the total number in the group but for six women to come home and have miscarriages within two weeks uh, this group thought it was very odd do you think, and of course, you haven't seen these patients, you don't know these patients, you treat them. Do you think there's any possibility that just being in a room full of vaccinated people could have an impact on a on a fetus?
2: Absolutely, I do. I absolutely I do. Can I prove it? No. But I think that um, our my cycle story, Tiffany Prado and um, um, and Christiane Northrup and and Heather Ray and um, uh, all the Dr. Brian Hooker, Dr. Raphael Stricker, um, all these incredible uh, Sue Peters, um, Warren Geek, um, Lenny Murphy. Uh, I know I'm forgetting some, but this is one of the most incredible research groups I've ever had the honor and privilege of meeting with. Uh, Jill. Uh, Jill has done an, is our statistician, just done an incredible job. And Jill Newman. So I want to call out to them, but I think that you'll see in this paper that we're about ready to publish, there's no question that um, we used uh, and we've kind of validated a tool that Jill picked out, and we have encompassed uh, using that uh, as a creative variable to reflect the closeness and the proximity of a non vax person to a vax person. And to see it dramatically affect menstrual cycles? Absolutely. Could it affect pregnant women? Absolutely. Uh, I think that you, there's a couple of potential mechanisms um, and I think that you probably all know those. One of the mechanisms that you might not know is this um, protein that's called uh, syncytium and syncytium is crucial to the process of implantation and the moralis, uh, the uh, post-conceptual Uh, fertilized ovum that comes down the fallopian tube from the ovary into the uterus and and implants. Well, syncytion is one of the proteins that helps it implant. um, And syncytion is um, part of the component of the vaccine. So a woman will develop autoantibodies to syncytion. And if those, if it could potentially disrupt the pregnancy I, I would say this. Um, um, let's let's do this, Holly. I would make a plea for you, and for this individual and this group, to huddle up with you and me, and let's get the facts, and let's publish it.
1: Wow! Wow! That would be awesome. Uh, you know, in going along with that, I was going to ask. Um, you know, when you, I guess to ask, a lot of people don't know what to say when their doctors are pressuring coercing you know still the doctors who have their head in the sand you know or in, indoctrinated and not thinking <laughs> but like what, what are, what's a good question to ask the doctor like to provide evidence and and i wish that there would be i love that y'all are looking for people who are vax injured but we don't want people to even get in that position is there even a way like a legal case for to have some doctors like that are spreading misinformation and trying to force people into having this and saying no it's completely safe but you know it's not like you know what I mean like so and, and so many doctors are doing that
2: I I would say uh, I would use my name I would use my publications I would use our publications I would use the data and say you know this is an expert maternal fetal medicine doctor um what, why doesn't anybody debate him um here's yeah. his publications you know let's go let, let's go yeah it's like proven it.
1: wrong then I consider it but I yeah. you ain't gonna prove you ain't gonna prove wrong
2: <laughs> so what these doctors do this is a great segue uh, you know this is a great segue into exactly um Kristen um what you're talking about is the 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 cartel the medical industrial uh cartel um kind of like the, the as Eisenhower referred to it at, in the 60s as the medical or the um military-industrial complex, Uh, this is exactly what's coming back to haunt us right now. And now there's another, it's a form of disaster capitalism was a military-industrial complex. And now it's the medical-industrial complex, which which is a bloody disaster. So what they do is they they pick um, on physicians that are experts, that are opinion leaders, that are data leaders, and then they take them out Uh, And then how will they take up, you know, a a VAERS tool has been used since, you know, gosh, almost uh, not 40 years, but 1986, uh, whatever that is, 24 years or or, uh, uh, 34 years. So uh, it's been around for a long time. It was federally legislated. And by the way, if you submit false information to VAERS, you can go to prison uh, or you can get a steep fine. 85% of these cases are... uh, uh, called in by a, a care provider. Um, so what they've done, the, the medical industrial complex is saying these all these bells and warnings and sirens from pharmacovigilance tools of the vars that they'll discredit and say, oh, well, we all know VAERS is not causation. Uh, it doesn't meet causation. It doesn't meet the Stratford Hill criteria. Well, of course it doesn't. It was never designed to do do that. It it was never designed to uh, document causation. That's not the issue. That's not even relevant. It's an important pharmacovigilant tool to put up warning signals. And when I was a medical student with my brother Ken Thorpe and Wayne State University School of Medicine in Detroit in 1976, we had the swine flu and the swine flu vaccine rolled out. There were 25 deaths. It was immediately taken off the market. Now, you have uh, almost thirty thousand deaths, and that's underreported by a, a factor of probably a hundred or more um, on varicose, and yet they still kind of discredit. So I I, I take these um, these closed-minded, brainwashed physicians or people through a the same um, the the same algorithm of of questioning in a Socratic method, okay. So the VAERS data, which is federally mandated, we're gonna throw that out, right? Yeah, we're gonna throw that out, okay. So, okay, so what about the 15 or now 20 sources that are totally independent to the VAERS data and are totally verified supportive of VAERS data And I've listed several of them on here. You ladies know several of them that aren't on here, but it goes on and on and on and on. Um, The yellow card, the other uh, pharmacovigilant tools around the world, the other countries, actually they're all sending stronger unsafety signals than VAERS is because it's less manipulated. So the the okay, the the military DMET database is the most, sophisticated and the most accurate database in the world, health database. And clearly, uh, Dr. Tom Renz and the uh, Dr. Stuart Tankersley, the military whistleblower, and, and Dr. Teresa Long clearly exposed the data. They had it all out. and uh, And when the military was confronted with this, when the Senate was confronted with this, they came back with a statement, uh, some ridiculous statement of a month or so later saying, oh, we found that that it's been corrupted for five years and that was really missing. So they completely changed all the data so that they could accommodate. But whenever you do that, you get yourself in more trouble with lies. Everybody knows that was accurate data. You know, you look at the millennial, you know, um, you ladies are are, um, young, attractive millennial um, people. and, And, you know, in, in your age group, just in six months last year, there were 60-plus thousand dead millennials, all-cause mortality. They didn't die from COVID, okay? Yes, yeah, some of them died from suicides. Some of them died from other stuff. But the vast majority of them died from the vaccine injury. Um, and, and this is published data. Um, nobody can explain it. You know, in my when I was your age, um, I, I, the Vietnam War was going on. And I lost uh, you know, 58 plus thousand of my colleagues in the uh, women and men in the uh, Vietnam War. But you know, that took 15 years. This was six months. And you know, where's the outrage? Now yeah. we have the, the New England Journal of Medicine Shimbakura article that we just revealed. You know, they, they couldn't, <laughs> it, that totally supports the damage of this vaccine. You got Steve Kirsch's Substack. You got Paul Alexander's substack. You got massive amounts of epidemiological data that that uh, Peter McCullough, as an MPA, he knows that data. Uh, Pantazores um, uh, and, and others have published on this from um, Canada and from New York City. Their epidemiological data, the temporal relationship of all cause mortality in multiple different countries, is almost a sine qua non of the Stratford Hill causality criteria. Um, record number of pilots dropping over dead. Yep. Um, 30% of pilots are at risk for falling out of the sky with 200 of their passengers. That's not acceptable. Unprecedented athletic deaths. Oh yeah. Okay, so I say, okay, so you're gonna throw out all of these criteria. You're gonna, you're gonna throw out the various database And now I have listed 20 or more totally independent uh, sources that document the veracity and validity of various data. So so you want me to throw those out too? Yeah, I do, Dr. Thorpe. Okay, we'll throw out all that data. Okay, what if... Okay, then let me ask you this, Dr. Smith, if Pfizer, Told you themselves that the vaccine was killing and naming um, individuals that were pregnant and non-pregnant. Would you believe them, crickets? Mm. Well, I, I, will you believe them? Well, then why don't you read their data? I've been in possession of it for sixteen months. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the Pfizer uh, five point three point six tranche um, that was in the hands of the federal government. Um, in March 1st, 2021. Um, this is in the hands of the CDC, the FDA, uh, and, and it's, it, it was in my hands um, in February, March of last year. And it's made public and verified April 1st. They tell you in their own data that um, in, before 90 days were up of that post-marketing data survey, 5.3.6, 1,223 people died. Uh, if that's not bad enough, that's on page seven or page nine in table one, depending on which tranche you look at. Go to it. Just Google uh, Pfizer 5.3.6 post-marketing experience. You'll come right up with it. Go to page seven, go to page nine. Look at the deaths, 1,223 in table one. Look at the morbidity and pregnancy on page 12. There were 274 pregnant women of those 274 pregnant women, 124 of them had vaccine complications. That's 45%. Lesson learned. Don't trust your government. It, don't that, trust people.
0: That's the thing, Dr. Thor. We, we've we been saying to people now, we're like, well, if you don't believe us, why don't you go to look at the data coming out of other countries, even Canada, Britain alone this month, released the data that showed the vaccinated were more likely to die and be hospitalized of COVID than the unvaccinated, and that is data that had you know been evaluated for the fact that most people in those countries are vaccinated, but it had taken you know it had taken that into account and said no, still, still, they, you're far more likely to be hospitalized or vaccinated right now um, or uh, or die from COVID if you are vaccinated. So it's again, it's like to your point. But fine. You can believe the narrative. You can hear the narrative that is being pushed by the media, big tech, and our government all you want. But go look at the other sites, which we'll share the slide, so you guys can see, if you don't see it, if you're listening, we'll, you know where you can see that all these other places outside of the United States have verified the same types of things that Dr. Thorpe is talking about here.
2: And, and, and here's just, you know, that that's absolutely correct. And, and you know, uh, this comes from our, I'm, I'm really, really proud of this work um, that, that um, my team did, uh, Ken Thorpe, uh, Elise Thorpe and, and um, myself. Um, and they're up in Michigan with an incredible research team up there. Um, and this is COVID-19 and the unraveling of experimental medicine, part three. And I'll, I'll submit you a copy of this. Anybody in the world, this is published in the Gazette of Medical Sciences. And I love this journal because it's a truth journal and the uh, editorial staff is incredible. The peer review process is incredible. Um, uh, yes, there are publication costs but there's no big pharma money involved and it's open source. What do I mean by open source? I mean, anybody in the world can pull this down every single sentence of it. And not only can they, pull, did did they, this Gazette and the editorial staff was so excited to um, receive our data because what I did was I personally compiled every single abstract and paper published in the peer-reviewed medical literature around the entire world. I pulled out articles documenting case reports or serious reports of vaccine injury. And at the time of this writing, there were 1,366 reports. Now, this was way back in March when I closed this out. And what this journal did for me, they were so impressed was that they published every single one of the references in a separate appendix. And uh, and I created a table that takes all these 1,366 references and you can see the table on this slide. And it alphabetically orders the subject material of the VAX complication um, in the first column in the second column, the number of publications, and in the third column, the reference numbers of all those um, that you can actually pull up. Cut, That's like going to be like the, the COVID,
1: COVID, COVID vaccine injury Bible. It's like the CDS. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so, you know, I know Peter McCullough was really excited to see this when I, when, um, you know, they were talking about, you know, you look at their cardiac disease, myocarditis, pericarditis, um, you know, the most. Uh, 336 articles. And this was back in March. This is extremely important. This is very costly work for me. It it cost me a lot of money. It cost me a lot of time, but it's ongoing now. And I'm going to publish another one that there's close to 2,000. But just let this sink in. VAERS has been around for 30 years. um, And I've done this. If you take all of the other vaccines, in various history and look for similar vaccine associated complications. Let's just take flu. It's been, you know, out there for whatever, 40 years, maybe 50 years. Okay. There's like less than, there's less than 50. I think there's less than 40. I kind of feel like Job uh, talking. I I mean, not Job, Abraham talking to God before he uh, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. God, if there's only, You know, 50 righteous people. What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? With influenza, I I don't think there's more than 10 or 12 associated publications in the last 30 years. There's, here you go, right in front of you, 1,366. And these are just independent investigators. There might be multiple investigators that are putting their credibility, academic credibility on the line and publishing like I'm doing. You think these guys are going to screw that up and, and be uh, harassed? No. Uh, so there might be for each of these 1,366, maybe there's four or five times the number of authors you know, on these. And you're trying to tell me, let me understand. You're trying to tell me, Dr. Smith, that this is a safe vaccine. I don't think so. Lesson learned. Don't listen to your government. Don't listen to the... Uh, medical uh, credentialing uh, NGOs that threaten you. Doctor, it's your responsibility to do your due diligence like I did. It's your responsibility to inform your patients of the truth, not uh, politically, re- c- politically correct lies that kill and maim people. Political correctness kills people just like Antifa did just like Black Lives Matter did, they killed a lot of innocent people for their political correctness. Well, and and that's,
0: I, mean, I think that's the important thing That because I know we have to, to wrap this up soon, but the the if someone has something to gain financially from your compliance, or if they have power to gain from your compliance or something to gain for them that doesn't benefit you, then that is your sign. That is your sign. And that's what I, I, before, as we start to wrap this up, Dr. Thorpe, we want to ask you two questions. And the first is what does it cost you personally to speak up and challenge these organizations, your colleagues, and, and certainly the US government? What does it cost you? Cost
2: me. Um... Nowhere near as much as it cost me to watch my women and children be dying and maimed and killed. Um, It's cost me a lot, but I have an incredible amount of moral and ethical trauma uh, and and anger that I deal with when I see this day in and day out. Mm. You know, beautiful sons and daughters of the Most High God, you know, beautiful young people, men and women like yourselves. And I watch them and, you know, have to tell them that there's a dead baby and why, you know, so it's cost me a lot. I have lost a lot of friends. I've lost a lot of colleagues. I've lost a lot of family members. Um, I've been mocked and ridiculed, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I don't really care about any of this stuff. I have only a few number of breaths life in my left in my life, as we all do only God knows my time, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to honor God, and I'm going to honor the truth. I'm going to honor my Hippocratic Oath. I'm going to honor my officer's uh, oath in the military that goes with me until I die. And only then will I stop fighting. Uh, I'm a warrior, and I will not stop fighting. I don't care if it costs me my life. I will stand for the truth for you, for your children, for my children, uh, for my grandchildren, for this healthcare system, and for my uh, physician colleagues that don't have the courage to stand up.
0: Mm, that's right. Well, yeah, our, no. yeah. Well, we know that people are going to want to follow you and continue the conversation past this podcast, even though we got to have you back on to talk about all a whole nother rabbit yes. trail. Uh, yeah. But but where can they follow you? Follow you, Dr. Thorpe. I don't think you're on social media, but where where can they find your work and your what you're currently working on?
2: Okay, so if um, I, I I've been deplatformed from every every site except Getter, um, and and I post voraciously the truth on Getter, okay. I post a massive amount, sometimes 20 and 30 feeds a day. Um, that stuff that I have um, commented on, uh, I do our, our pre-print data uh, from this disaster capitalism. I've already posted probably, you know, six or eight, um, posts on that getter. The, my getter handle is, uh, James A Thorpe MD, I believe. Um, and yeah. then my, my handle on, um, and I'm just starting to post now and I, going forward, um, the folks down in Australia wanted me to get on, um, Telegram because, uh, okay. nobody, everybody. So I started that and I've, It's been tricky because I'm not, I don't have your IT brilliance of you young, um, (laughs) uh, brilliant geniuses, but um, I'm an old fart with fat fingers and and it's hard for me to um, get used to all this stuff. But I have surrounded myself with some millennials that are helping me with it. So I'm going to post and my handle on one of my millennial uh, IT folks told me to stick with, uh, let's see, it's James A Thorpe MD, I believe is my handle. Is my address my channel? Okay. I got to okay. get used to all these new terms. Oh, you need yeah. to get
1: on Truth Social. Just to add one more. <laughs>
2: Truth Social. Okay. Yeah.
1: Truth uh, Social. I, I'm on that. We need to get a Just Think Truth Social, but I'm on that, and it's relatively easy to just post. You know, even if you just post like a lot during the day, and then people can easily repost it and share what you've okay. got. Yeah. So that's another good one, and you won't be you. You should not be deplatformed from that
0: no we should not
1: they they actually encouraged the truth on that one so um thank you gosh so much i mean i know that you have like so much information and i know we've talked a lot and asked a lot of questions and probably like (laughs) we need a part two but we need we're we're gonna definitely uh want you back on if you will uh grace us with your presence again
2: if you ladies would grace me with uh your presence (laughs) i'd be honored to be on your platform i just god bless you and i pray for you and i bless you with a spiritual covering Uh, no weapon formed against you will prosper and we can do all things through jesus christ amen thank you thank
1: Thank you so much you you. you
0: guys go follow him and keep following the science the actual science yes (laughs) (laughs) all right bless you you so
2: much (laughs)
1: Thank <laughs>